0: Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Russ Branzel, President and CEO of Chime. In this segment, Branzel talks about what he expects will be the key areas of focus in the finalized MU3 rule, the enormous impact a 90-day reporting period can have on attestations, both for hospitals and physician practices, and the cornerstone issue that should have been solved a long time ago. Hi, Russ. Thank you so much for taking some time to speak with us, as you
1: always do. Um, absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Sure. When I was thinking of some of the things I wanted to talk about, I, 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 I always want to check in on meaningful use, and I think I figured that by the time we spoke, we, we would have more answers, but uh, not, not really the case. So if you wouldn't mind, let's, let's kind of give an update on where things are with meaningful use as far as, you know, uh, stage three, moving closer to finalization, and the stage two modifications.
1: Yeah absolutely we'll start with stage 2 i think we're all anxiously watching the uh watching for email even as maybe even as today uh the, the possibility of getting the final rule adjustments that we need we know that that has taken a little bit longer than it should and we're waiting for that final release of the rule modification that gives us some of the relief that I know the industry has been wanting for for the most part as well as the opportunity to set us up possibly for greater success moving into stage three. Uh, Speaking of stage three, we continue to look forward for finalization of that rule. Uh, I know there's a lot of uh, different thoughts in the industry relative to stage three, everything from when it should be sequenced to what should be in there. But I think consistently, ONC is pushing forward uh, for good and bad, uh, pushing forward with uh, stage three for what they've intended it for, which is really to push us forward for clinical support and clinical outcomes that they're trying to achieve.
0: And I guess Stage 3 is going to have the continued focus towards uh, you know, patient engagement?
1: I, th- I think that's the case. I think they've got many different priorities for Stage 3. Obviously, if, if this becomes the last true stage, I, w- I would think we'll continue to see government direction on utilization of technology. But in particular, the, the all probability that this will be the last final stage of this program the way it's been built and funded you know we will continue to see some effort towards i think multiple areas one uh, which we're actually pleased with is uh, the continued emphasis and, and actually strong emphasis on security and understanding the need for security and privacy of now all this electronic information i don't think a week goes by that we don't hear of some major breach happening somewhere in the industry uh, and as you know we talked about it last year we launched a new organization the Association for Executives in Health Information Security, AHIS, uh, which really focuses on the chief information security officer, which has grown a lot faster than we even thought it would with well over 400 members now in that new association. Uh, but their real focus is on the security uh, and ensuring and the secure exchange of that information that's out there. And so I think that's probably one of their primary focuses is now – Uh, making sure we have a secure environment to do all of the work that we need to get done. But obviously, as you said, both clinical decision support and patient engagement is obviously one of their great focuses, which it should be if we're really truly ending up in stage three. If you look at the early adoption of technology in stage one, stage two being about starting to accumulate data and the flow of information, stage three really should be about clinical decision support and the outcomes for the patients and engaging patients in their health and wellness. Um, whether we're ready for that or not, that's a different question, but is stage three, as it laid out from its original uh, vision and mission, that really should be what it's about.
0: Right. And now um, you mentioned before about, uh, you know, the stage two modifications, which we're, everyone's kind of really waiting for. And um, I know that there's been there's been some there's been a lot made about the, the, the delays, but it really has been a frustrating thing for CIOs and, and other leaders. And um, any thoughts on, um, you know, what what, what they can kind of do in, in the waiting in the waiting period, and you know, how how likely you think it is that we're going to see that 90-day reporting period?
1: Well, I'll answer I'll you know, backwards to forwards in that we have all expectation that we'll see that and actually see that hopefully any day now, uh, literally within the next day or so. We're expecting to see the final release of that. And so we are expecting to see the 90 day reporting, the sequencing and matching up of hospitals and eligible providers at the same time, the eligible physicians all in the same sequence of timing, which we've been asking for for quite a while, as well as the for stage two, 90 90-day reporting period. So we should and you see that, it, it, like I said, almost any day. Now, timing-wise of that, I think you're right. I, I don't think this is just CIOs that are frustrated. I think the entire industry is frustrated um, in the normal governmental process that it takes to get something like this through. Uh, we know everyone's busy in Washington, and I know we have good people in ONC and CMS trying to do the best they can. I think this in all probability, took a little bit longer than it should, mainly because people are trying to make good quality decisions in the field on how to not only implement technology, but how to build the process and the support that's needed to be successful. And without this guidance coming out, which, again, we expect it to come out any day now, and you can make the assumption that's there and make your bets um, in the field, without it happening sooner than it is – uh, people are placed in a pretty precarious position to either, A, assume that it's going to occur, or B, not uh, so assume it won't occur and then try to have to go back and try to deal with a, a year-long reporting period, which in many cases most won't be able to do. Uh, the feedback we got when the initial guidance came out that there would be a 90-day reporting period instead of a year was a lot of people jumped back in the game uh, that said basically we couldn't do it because the early processes and software delivery and all the things that needed to occur now with a 90-day reporting period you know we've got a decent chance of making this happen and this was not just small and and rural organizations this was everything from very large integrated health systems down to small physician offices so i think overall the concept of moving to a 90-day reporting period uh, was good but waiting till the very end of the reporting cycle to get the final rule uh, is a little bit precarious.
0: Okay. <clears throat> and I know I, I jumped around a little bit, but was there anything else you wanted to add about stage three? We talked about the continued emphasis on security, but um, any of the other um, components that you see coming from there?
1: Well, I think it's probably less about the components. Uh, I, anything in, in specific, we you can argue detailed numbers or detailed uh, facts. I don't think we are in massive disagreement conceptually with stage three's overall direction i think our concern more still is timing and whether we've let stage two mature enough to get the process improvements and the outcome improvements and let this uh, mature a little bit more uh, to be ready for stage three especially for our physician partners that are out there, whether they're really ready for stage three. We did see an, um, a kind of a slide off of physician participation in stage two, and we would think we would see an additional one for stage three. So I think more of the question is, should this be, I don't want to use the, the word delayed, sequenced in such a way that it's reasonable timing-wise, because people are still trying to get stage two moving in where it should be. Uh, which is a positive thing. We want to continue down this path. We want to see continued adoption, both hospital and physician. Uh, I think there's more just a question for stage three of what's the right timing and sequence to get this done successfully.
0: Right. Is there anything else that you think would help could help make an impact as far as the physicians go, and uh, you know, trying to avoid that the further slide off as you get get to stage three?
1: Well, consistent with stage two, we continue to believe that that. A, an entire year of reporting um, is burdensome for most that are out there because not all of this is completely integrated into the the processes and the solutions that they've purchased out there. So there's some degree still of of work that needs to occur that's distracting from patient care. It's not always about the patient care; it's about also the administration of these programs. So we've continued to say that that. 90-day reporting for this is a reasonable approach for individuals and organizations um, to deal with that. So that's part of this. And then also we we continue to look at ways of is there the appropriate measures to uh, work within that structure that makes this program less burdensome, sequencing of all the clinical measures across all these different components of the organization. Um, I'm not the organization of the health system that's out there. All the different governmental components of, of quality reporting, along with all the insurers' requirements, for, there's a lot of mix-match that's there. We want to see if that can be sequenced a little bit better. I know they're trying to work on that. There's obviously other things, and it really leads into another discussion, but there's still a, a pretty significant mm-hmm. void of clearly defined standards that are out there. There's lots of standards But clearly defined and enforceable standards is still an area uh, that the government could continue and the industry as a whole could continue to work and propagate on that would make this a little bit easier. Uh, And obviously the big one for CHIME is we still believe that there is a cornerstone issue that we should have solved at the very beginning, and that is the ability to clearly identify and ensure you have the right individual, which is patient identification and matching.
0: Yeah, and it's it is really kind of hard to to fathom how it wasn't addressed earlier, but I guess it's you know that that's really the mo- the moot point. But um, in relation to that, you um, know that that Chime announced back in the spring uh, that, that plans to launch um, the Patient ID Challenge. And is there any update on that initiative?
1: Absolutely, we we have been working through the process uh, of that challenge. Uh, steadily and uh, almost on a daily basis uh, working through that process. And and we announced the intention and the contractual relationship with HeroX and the XPRIZE Foundation to start that process. We've been working through criteria development over the last six months. Uh, We have a panel of subject matter experts from the field, both clinical um, and uh, technology-based administrative leaders, CIOs mostly, Uh, really working on a good set of criteria to uh, prime the challenge. So we are probably within uh, the next 30 to 60 days to actually formally launch the challenge. Uh, We're through that criteria development process. Um, It has been vetted out even into the industry. And our goal is to probably, like I said, in the next 30 to 60 days, launch the challenge. Uh, most challenges take about 12 to 18 months to go through a process of the applications, um, the actual review, the actual uh, ins- assurance of compliance of the criteria. But we are, we are absolutely primed for launch on this um, and we're excited about getting some more momentum in the industry. It is interesting when we started this, even just now, six, little more than six months ago, uh, how it was kind of a quiet, dead subject in the industry. And now I don't know if a day goes by where you don't see somebody in the industry talking about the need for um, improved patient identification, if not at least at a minimum, improved patient matching, but really. Patient identification has become something back in the in the mainstream of knowing we need to solve this to be able to uh, successfully do some of the other things we need to get done in the industry.
0: Yeah, and do you think that that's that it seems like that's being discussed a little bit more, um, you know, in in the political sphere as well?
1: Yeah, we've actually been had a lot of conversations both agency side as well as congressional side. Uh, if, if nothing else, just to get an understanding of what is needed in the industry and or why this is even a problem, uh, even to the point where occasionally there are individuals um, both on the Hill and within agencies that don't even understand uh, that there's actually a federal prohibition against spending federal funds and or federal effort uh, towards solving patient identification issues. That still dates back all the way back to 1999 uh, that gets revoted in almost every single year, or actually every single year. And that was actually a surprise to some uh, that that even existed and was out there. So we continue to to try to educate and advocate for not only easing of that burden so the government can participate on whatever ends up happening out in the industry. Hopefully our efforts continue to bear the fruit we're hoping, but more importantly, ease the burden for them to be able to support and assist this. And if you recall, there was actually a patient identification in the original uh, regulations that actually got pulled out and that's when it got pulled out in nineteen ninety nine from the original HIPAA regulations. Um, and was actually made not only something needed for the country, it turned it the opposite, which made it something illegal for the country, for the government to work on it. Never said the public sector or the private sector can't work on it, but that the public sector in particular the government couldn't spend funding on it.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised that there's a lot of people who don't know about that. That's kind of hard to believe that 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 ban still exists, but somehow it's, uh, like you said, gets voted in every year. Hmm.
1: It's just one of those things that at that time, there was still a fairly low adoption of technology from a patient data perspective. But now if you look where we're at relative to 99 now to 2015, we are in such a different world that – Without good patient identification, we actually have the higher likelihood of creating harm um, and actually injuring patients or not presenting the most accurate information to caregivers uh, to be able to make the best decisions because so much of the information uh, is electronic. And so it's just a different world. And without great identification, you actually inhibit the process rather than advance it. And that's what our goal is at this point is to try to make this as smooth as possible to improve patient care, patient safety, and reduce costs.
0: And I thought it was really interesting that you decided to go, um, I guess, you, what we call the crowdsourcing route. Um, and do you want to just talk about kind of what what, the, what what your feelings were there or, you know, why CHIME decided to do it that way?
1: Well, we've we've tried since day one in this, even prior to deciding if we would go down the the HeroX, XPRIZE Foundation model, and that was for this to be 100% transparent. Uh, every part of this, we want feedback from the industry, the advocates for this, as well as uh, the naysayers in this or the ones that at least have concerns about it. So we wanted to hear from everyone through this process and be 100% transparent because this is not a solution for CHIME. CHIME doesn't want to make money off this. CHIME wants to do this because we think it's the thing that will not only enable advancement of patient care and patient safety, uh, reduce costs, but more importantly, this is about enabling the patients um, out there in our industry and the families that are trying to navigate care systems that are out there. So if we do this right and we're transparent and we get everyone's feedback, take it all into consideration, then we have a much higher likelihood of being successful in meeting those goals so crowdsourcing um and which is a way Xprize actually does most of their uh their challenges, they actually utilize this, gives everybody in the industry, not just those registered, but everyone in the industry and in the country, in public space, the opportunity to provide comment, to provide critique, and and we did get a lot. We got a lot of different feedback, a lot of questions, a lot of uh, you, you haven't thought of this, you have thought of this, but we don't necessarily agree with this. Um, but what we did receive, the vast majority, was positive feedback from that crowdsourcing that's there. Um, very little criticism to the point of you shouldn't be doing this, uh, even to the point of what, what we thought would have been some natural uh, pushback from the privacy community was, thank you for including privacy in the criteria. Um, and that's what we believe. If you if you have to do something like this, you have to make sure it has great security and great privacy, which is we, uh, why we actually encourage people like that to participate in the process.
0: Yeah, and, and it also just really generates a lot of discussion. I, I know it did at HIMSS. It was um, that that's a good way to get people talking about it. Keep people talking about this topic too.
1: Absolutely. In, in, there's lots of different people working on different things, whether it's technically based, you know, patient matching algorithms, and we want them to keep working on those things. Uh, This isn't going to be the wherewithal of all solutions. It's still going to take other technologies to be all brought together under an umbrella called a patient identification system, but we still need everybody else in the industry continuing to advance their areas of specialty, whether it's biometrics or patient matching algorithms or anything of that nature, um, we've received very strong support from all those organizations working on those type of things, um, that this could hopefully be kind of an umbrella solution that brings all those things in. So we have a identification system that works across a health system, not within isolated silos.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from HealthSystemCIO.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.